0: Thank you for checking out the Detroit Church Podcast. We are a growing community in the heart of the city, and we exist to awaken Detroit to the greatest adventure of all time. We look forward to sharing this journey as God is making all things new. Ready to get that one. But what do you do when you weren't looking forward to the gift you got? When it wasn't what you asked for, it wasn't the thing that you were hoping you got? Yet and still, now you're in this moment where you're faced with a response. Because typically, the person who gave you the gift has no idea that you didn't want it, so they're looking at you with this expectancy, and they're like leaning forward, doing the thing. And then they ask you the dreaded question. You ready for it? How do you like it? Right? You start trying to figure out what you're going to do to get out of this. And it sounds funny. It sounds humorous. Um, Not in my house, because we don't have it, once again. But... This same thing happened uh, about 2,000 or so years ago. (laughs) And it happened because all of the people at this particular point, especially the people who know a promised gift is coming, they have told themselves that the gift is going to be wrapped a certain way, it's going to look a certain way, it's going to sound a certain way, and they're expecting a certain kind of gift. And it's interesting. It's been so many years since the promise of the gift that while some people are looking forward to it and every year marking their calendars up, not, not yet, not yet. There are other people who have gotten so sort of inundated with the way life is going and what's happening, they've forgotten that a gift is even coming. So some people aren't even looking for the gift anymore. They're just kind of doing their own thing. I think it's interesting if we were to go back and look at the state of the culture when Jesus was born. Like, I think it might shock us how similar it is to this day we live in right now. There's civil unrest. There's literally what we know as the Roman Empire that's led by uh, Caesar Augustus, which now is one kingdom. Before that was actually split into three. And of course, the three were fighting each other to see who would win. And you couldn't go down certain streets because robbers would get you. I actually have a quote, or, or, or some, uh, a guy named Will Durant, who was a historian, he wrote some stuff. And I thought this would be the perfect way to surmise what it looked like right before the gift came. Listen to this this is interesting. The Lusty Peninsula was worn out with 20 years of civil war, its farms had been neglected. Its towns had been sacked or besieged. Much of its wealth had been stolen or destroyed. Administration and protection had broken down and robbers made every street unsafe at night. Y'all don't know any place that looks like that, right? All right. Highwaymen roamed the roads, kidnapped travelers, sold them into slavery. Human trafficking was a thing. Trade diminished. Investments stood still. Interest rates soared. Property values fell. Morals which had been loosened by riches and luxury had not been improved by destitution and chaos. And uh, few conditions are more demoralizing than poverty that comes after wealth. I'm going to read that one one more time because... Few conditions are more demoralizing than poverty that comes after wealth. Rome was full of men who had lost their economic footing, and then their moral stability followed. Soldiers who had tasted adventure and had learned to kill Citizens who had seen their savings consumed in the the taxes and the inflation of war and they waited ferociously for some returning tide to shift their life back to affluence. Multiplying divorces, adulteries, abortions, all ran rapid. The state of the culture when Jesus was born was not this happy place where everybody is dancing and we're all singing in key somehow and we're just patiently waiting for the birth of Jesus. Actually, the state of things was pretty bad, pretty messed up. So much so that the promise of Jesus, the hope that was there, didn't look like, I think, what we would package hope today. Like when we think about hope, I saw a sign uh, just yesterday that was like painted in like candy canes or something like that. And it said hope. And it was like this, you know, blaring, flashing neon LED light. And it was so happy and positive looking. And the truth is, that's that's a kind of hope. But what about that house right there? That house looks like it's been through some things. That house has graffiti on it. How many of you are are just assuming nobody lives in that house? I bet some of you thought nobody lived in that house. But what if they do? Like, I think it's interesting that a broken leg or a broken bone longs to be made whole. It's so deliberate in its quest to be made whole that for your broken bone, if you set it and protect it long enough, the bone will literally, the two pieces, will meld back and become one. Now, there's a lot of medical terminology that I could bore you with. Maybe sounds smart, maybe, perhaps, I don't know. But the idea is that even pieces in us long to be made whole when they're broken. It's shocking to me that in a city where we could see that house on any block, specifically around here, you can take a very short walk and we can show you houses like that and far worse. And for some, they would see that and go, oh, that's just blight or abandonment. Some people actually look right past it. They don't even see it at all. But some of us see stuff like this and hope inspires us to look into the brokenness and see possibilities to look into what is wrong and long for something that is right. In the same way, this is the culture of, what Je- of which Jesus is born into. He's born into a time where it was so bad that uh, Caesar seemed like a good man because he brought some peace and he merged the three kingdoms into one. And there was this rest and prosperity was starting to come back and people were starting to feel good about things. And it's hilarious that although things seemed to be working, there was still this underlining longing for a better day. There's longing for something greater, for someone to fix this human condition. There's some issue that we just couldn't address no matter how prosperous our civil system was, no matter how big our house was. There's some, some ailment that plagues the human heart that we seem to not be able to scratch. And when we look back, In the Old Testament, we can literally find the moment, right? We can find the moment when man decides to disobey God and he eats of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We can literally trace our depravity back to a single event and we can see it's at that moment when humanity decides we won't take orders from heaven or from God, but we know right and wrong and we will choose to be our own moral compass, and unfortunately, even all of these years later, we're still doing it. We still have this battle, knowing right but doing wrong. We still have this, this ugliness inside that we try so desperately to adorn with accomplishments and to adorn with how talented or how gifted or how skilled we can become all trying to keep people from this this ugly this this negative part of us that we can't seem to address in and of ourselves and this is what happens something about the fall of man causes us to not even wait for the bone to be aligned anymore Although God seems to have designed humanity with this innate ability to long for healing and for healing to happen, we decide we want to move things faster. So much so that after the fall, man and Adam and Eve, they look at themselves and see that they're naked and they go and put fig leaves together and they make a covering for themselves. Even now, if you're honest, we have some coverings. I'll be honest, I have some. I want people to think, you know, I'm smart or intelligent. I want people to think I'm capable. I want people to think I'm learned. (laughs) I want people to think I'm a good guy, I'm nice, right? You want to be the trifecta, you know, you want to have your stuff together, you want to be a nice prim package. And what I don't know is sometimes even in this, these desires, which seem safe, they seem calm, they put us in a place where we start adorning our brokenness. We start making it look better. There are some people even now that they ignore this. The city of Detroit is a comeback city. They take you downtown. They'll show you the drone shots of being like, you know, 300 feet up where everything looks cool, right? And they'll show you the city. They'll show you the movement of the city. They'll show you Midtown or Indian Village. They'll show you some of these neighborhoods. They'll run you down the Riverwalk at like real fast, like 30 seconds. And they'll paint the picture that, oh, no, no, this city is totally, everything has changed, and everything is different, everything is new, it's flashy, it's hot, it's in, tech jobs, people are getting jobs and higher it's so where you should be. And sometimes in our attempt to try to show what we think is best, we'll skip over the brokenness, and we'll try to adorn it, we'll try to get you to look past it, instead of longing for God to address it through People he pours himself into. This same thing happened at the time when Jesus was born. We'll look at it. we briefly, it says this in Luke chapter 2, verse 1. It says, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Inside track or inside context, that's about taxation, basically. He said, we need to tax everybody. How shall we tax them if we don't know who they are and how much money they make? So let's let's register. This was the first registration uh, after Caridius was governor of Syria and all went to be registered, each to his own town. Now, this is important because it meant that to be registered, you had to go to where you were from. You had to go back to your sort of native place or your hometown verse 4 Joseph also went up from Galilee from the town of Nazareth to Judea to the city of David which is called Bethlehem which is interpreted house of bread because he was of the house of the or the house and lineage of David verse chapter or in verse 5 it says to be registered with Mary his betrothed or the woman he was engaged to uh, who was with child The child was Jesus. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Verse 7 says, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. And she wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. Because there was no place for them in the inn. The question here is this. Are we still at a place where we long for the hope that was fulfilled in Jesus' coming? Is he a gift that we're really hoping to get? This is why I say that. For some people, the hope of Jesus' coming is a luxury. It's an add-on. It's a sunroof in a car you might buy. Cool to have it. If you don't, you can get by. For some people, they found a way to navigate that tricky culture on their own. For some people, they found a way to get a job, to make money. They found a way to make it. They avoided the highways where people got robbed. They, they found a way to become something in a culture that was quite cutthroat. So for some of these people, when the gift came... It wasn't something that they were looking for. Even now today, how much do we really believe we need Jesus? Because here's the thing. If you feel like overall you got your life, then the hope of his coming is cool. If you feel like overall just doing some hours of counseling or just sitting on a couch and getting it out, talking it through. If you feel like that will address all of the problems or all of the issues you may or may not have, then the coming of Jesus is cool, I guess. If you feel like in and of yourself, you can wheel yourself to a better state of living, then the coming of Jesus isn't that big of a deal. The truth is, Jesus coming is only a big deal for those of us that realize on my best day, when I think I'm killing it, <laughs> when I'm hitting all of the things on my checklist, when, I'm, when I feel like I'm everything that they wanted me to be, I'm still at the end of the day not right. There's still something in me that's excited if he gets over that that still gets glory or relishes the idea that maybe I can be everything they want. That maybe I can check all of these boxes, but still at the end of that, not be totally whole or complete. All of us have this capacity to adorn our brokenness, to make you think we're doing so, so good. And if we're not careful... We will be extending a Jesus to other people that we truly don't believe we need. Because you think you're good. (laughs) Why do you need an atonement for sin if sin is something you can deal with on your own? Why do you need a savior, literally, like Jesus, to leave the comfort of heaven, be born of a woman, which is a miracle, by the way. It's a miracle. Jesus has no earthly father like a a young woman gets impregnated by the Holy Spirit. It's a miracle. He comes, lives this perfect life, dies, paying the penance for all sin once and for all time. And the only people that wouldn't be looking for that gift or wouldn't be excited with the gift that they got are people who ultimately don't believe they needed it. So, I hope during this time that we wouldn't get so caught up in the Christmas and the tinsel and the lights and the trees and all of the lists that your kids are going to make. I got one. It doesn't make any sense. The thing has stuff all out of order. She was having fun with the list. All of the stuff that's going to happen to you this season. Will you keep Close to your heart the thing that's most important which is not about what you're going to give or not about what you're going to get from another person. But could it be that all of us as humanity we got the promise that God father promised that we would have that he promised he would not let our story end in that garden. He promised that he would not let our mistake be the last portion of our narrative. So Jesus is the ultimate proof that God is exactly who he says he is and that he will do exactly what he said he will do. When Jesus is born, hope is fully come. And now we don't hope for better days thinking about uh, 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 when we move or, or when we get a better job or when we feel better. No, no, no. Now hope is a person that we can intimately get to know. Hope is a person that we can spend time with, we can enter into as truth. Sorry. So during this season, our encouragement, our admonishment as a church is for us to retain more than anything. To retain our sensitivity towards Jesus and our hope, our longing that Jesus is not satisfied with the things that are wrong in the places we live and come in and come out of. That, that the gospel is not deaf towards the issues that are so prevalent in our culture. That God has not looked at where we are and goes, I don't know what to do about it. No, God is actually a God who sends us into hard moments full of himself. And some of us are there now, and I would implore you, rather than be just, just comfortable or just accepting some depression or some anxiety, would you allow the longing for Jesus to connect you where you are broken, to long for healing, to long for one that is greater than you and thereby stronger than your hurt to make you whole again? Like, would this season be a time that you would decide to redeem relationships, that you will pull people to your table, have hard conversations? Would this be a time where you make the first step, not waiting for those who have wronged you or those who said something about you to bum rush you? Would you be strong enough? Would you be connected enough to Jesus to go after them as he has gone after us? Ultimately, can this season not just be about getting all of the things that we wanted? Can it also be about us receiving the thing that we needed? Which was true peace on earth. True peace with a God that we were so disconnected from for so many years. Like now because of Jesus, God isn't an idea. He's not just some random occurrence. He's not just some some big guy in the sky. God is actually a father that we can intimately know. Who calls us into relationship with him. Thanks for listening to the Detroit Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, like, and rate. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for Detroit Church.